Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Chris Connolly. And I'm Lainey Mays. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Above all, we love bringing librarians and great books together. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, welcome back to the Library Love Fest podcast. So happy to have you. Um, this is Lainey, and today I have a very special guest with me, and I'm so excited that she's here. Robin Bradford. She's the Collection Development Librarian at Pierce County Library System near Tacoma, and she was named a 2018 Library Journal Mover and Shaker and a 2016 RWA Librarian of the Year. So, I mean, I could go on and on with all of the accolades, but welcome, Robin. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? You know, I'm pretty good. It is very cold in New York, so we're doing this <laughs> remotely. So literally opposite sides of the country coming no together. No kidding. Yes. Yeah. So um, thank you for doing this. We wanted to, you know, we do this thing called Page a Librarian where we just bring librarians on to talk about what's going on with them. But um, and we're going to talk about generally what you do, but also, you know, when it comes to to romance and diversity in romance, you're such a big advocate in that field. And we really wanted to, you know, pick your brain a little. So awesome. I'm so glad you could do this. I am happy to do it. I'm always happy to talk about I think you hit all my favorite things, libraries, <laughs> collection development, and romance. Awesome. So you're a collection development librarian. Do you want to give us like a quick rundown of, you know, what your day looks like? Um, so normally it, it's weird because I, I've started a new job. So of course my day right now looks like how do they do it here? Even though I've been doing collection development for 19 years almost, it's still different everywhere you go. So a lot of my day looks like, oh, they do this a little bit differently. But in general, I look for things to order for the libraries. And I look at what they already have, how it's done, and where we can um add materials to entice people to come into libraries and check them out. Awesome. So what is a, what's one of your biggest challenges when, when that comes with that? One of my biggest challenges um, right now is the marketplace is so diverse, which is wonderful, but it's hard to find things. Um, for instance, once Romantic Times, the romance magazine, went out of business, it's very hard to find a place that consolidates a large part of romance so that you can dependably buy things on a month-to-month -month basis. So you would, they would do maybe two, three hundred reviews a month, plus they would do a thing in the back called the publisher's previews. So you would see what was coming up a few months in advance and it was a gold mine 
for collection development librarians because there is one spot where you could get a majority of things so then you could spend more time looking for indie authors and things that weren't reviewed or in journals. But now you don't have that kind of safety net. So you spend a lot of time going from place to place, trying to gather up everything that's that might be of interest to patrons. Yeah. So, I mean, as a, as a publisher, I'm always interested to hear like, what is the most effective way for us to inform you of those things? Like, what are you looking for from a publisher that would help you the most? Uh, You know, that's a great question. Um, Because we don't deal specifically with publishers like that, that almost hurts me because um, if I spend a lot of time with one publisher (laughs) and then you go to a next and then you next and the next, I would rather have all publishers that publish in a certain genre together. Right. So I don't spend a lot of time one-on-one with publishers. Um, For me personally, one of the best things you could do is put your things on Edelweiss. Right. Because then I, it's a, it's a clearinghouse and I go there, I set up my parameters, everything I want to see. It's usually one or two months at a time. Um, and I can just look through all the things that they have. Yeah. So we're we're still trying to recreate a place where multiple things are in one place, and we can go through and look the look through them. I don't know that we're able to recreate it on the scale that like RT did it, but. It's still, for me, the easiest way to try and find things. Right. Um, and so as when it comes to you've bought the books and you're going to get them out, what, what ways do you promote them in the library that you get them into people's hands that work the best? Um, there's a variety of different ways. So one thing that I absolutely love to see, and surprisingly, not every library does this, but a new bookshelf, which seems... Yeah kind of self-explanatory like right right at the front um you display all of your new books so right when people come in they can see you know what's new I absolutely love that because a good portion of people are browsers and they aren't going to look on the computer you know first to see what they want they just want to come in and see what's new yeah. Um, but there are a good portion of people, and I am one of those who I'm actually both. I like to browse too, <laughs> but I I will look on websites and blogs and Twitter and Amazon to see what's new and Edelweiss and NetGalley. Yeah. I want to know what's coming out. So then I kind of have an idea of what I want when I go to the library. So you have to you have to make things to fit both people. Um, so you have to have new book pages on your on your library website um, or something that's going to draw attention to people who maybe don't go into the branch all that often or they just go in to pick up holds. Like they've placed holds on all the things that they know they want and they go in, they pick up their holds, they go home. 
So they're not browsers. Yeah. So you have to find things to fit both both places, which is uh, one of the great reasons why OverDrive has the ability, you have the ability to make these um, reader's advisory lists, which can be kind of fun. And that's another way of getting people to see what you have that might not be new. Maybe they missed it, but you put it in a book list, which we used to do in paper. So we now have paper ones and online ones. So people can rediscover things that they may have missed. Yeah, that sounds really important. Um, It's funny to segue to RA, to Reader's Advisory, because I was on RA for All, which is our friend Becky Spratford's yes, uh, site. Love her. And <laughs> I found this article that she was saying it, she posted some of it that was originally on Lit Hub that you had um, contributed to. But there's this line where you say, I think a lot about not only what materials we add to the collection, but also where they'll live in buildings and how to get the most eyes on those materials. Yes. So I thought that that just kind of struck me and I was really thinking about it. But what, what kind of things are going through your mind when you are picking books for people in the library? This is this is where covers, which I've come to be known for on Twitter, um, displaying covers to people. But this is where covers are so important because every time I look at a book, even if it's like a Nora Roberts or a James Patterson or something, I'm gonna I know I'm gonna buy regardless. I always look to see is it does it look like what the blurb says it is. So if it's a book. And it's got, you know, the American flag flapping in the wind (laughs) and a a picture of like the Lincoln Memorial or the White House in the background. And, you know, there's a red overlay on top. You're thinking it's about terrorism. There is like a military guy who's rushing off to stop terrorism from happening. I mean, it. That conveys a certain thing. So if I read the blurb and it tells me it's about, you know, 1860 and uh, wagon trains, I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) The people who are picking up this book are not expecting that. And the people who want that won't pick up this book. Right. So I'm always looking to see if, if it will find its audience. Yeah, because if it doesn't find its audience, then we bought it and it sits there and then we discard it and somebody missed something. Either someone missed a book that they would have loved if the cover had had drawn them in or someone who, you know, thought that they would love that was disappointed. Right. So that's one of the main things I look at. Yeah. And then I'm always looking for um, what is popular in our area. At my last job, um, climate fiction was hugely popular. Um, People were very interested in that dystopian fiction that caused by climate catastrophes. So that was huge. I work next to a very big military base. So anything like that. Um, those action books that we were just talking about or military romance, even all those are good. Um, It's a very big military base. So there's lots of people and there's lots of diversity. 
So we're looking for things that also fit our community, but also just that people have said, can we get more of this? Right. That's, yeah, that's great. Um, so moving on a little from the the general to more of, like, I know I spoke before about how much of an advocate for romance you are, and then within that, a subgenre, I mean, not really a subgenre, but like a subset of that is you're really big for diversity and talking about that. And I think that comes up in so many conversations we have here, and I try to, you know, to point out what we're trying to do like we're trying to move the needle that way and I know like offline you and I had I think talked about like Beverly Jenkins she has a new uh, blessings novel um on the corner of hope and Maine and we talked about Tracy Livesey and um her new sweet talking lover like you know so much like before I could even talk about a book you're like I've already read it um (laughs) but is there any big romance that you are reading right now that you're really excited to talk about I'm in the middle of Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa. Oh, I love it. It is delightful. I said that on Twitter and she was like, oh my God, you said it was delightful. And I'm like, but it is delightful. Um, I have been reading it at lunch. And lately we've had a bunch of different things happening, parties, you know, for the holidays and whatnot. And I haven't had time to read at lunch. And it's driving me nuts. So I think I'm just going to have to abandon that plan and finish it this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's good when you can't stop thinking about it. Like you want to rearrange your plans. Yes, that's exactly it. I love that book so much. That one, so the quick like synopsis for people listening, because I love that one too. Um, And we're so excited for Mia. Um, But it's a woman who uh, was a wedding planner and a few – well, actually, you should explain it. <laughs> you should. Tell me what you're liking about it. Um, I like that – so it's a woman who's a, who's a wedding planner who was left at the altar of her own wedding, and it turns out by um, – that she has to work with the brother – of her ex-fiance to get her dream job, basically. Um, She's got a lot of pressures on her. The place that she's working in is closing. Like, she has to get this job. Um, So it's it's more than just, oh, it's my dream job, but I always want it. No, her business, the success or failure of her business likely depends on this. So the stakes are pretty high for her. Yeah. And for him, he's trying to break out of his brother and mother's shadow and do his own thing. And so the stakes are pretty high for him, too, to make this successful. And, you know, it's his brother's fiance. And, you know, he had a part in them not getting married and tensions ensue yes it's just (laughs) you you know what's going to happen because it's a romance and it's got that very predictable happily ever after ending but you do wonder how in the heck (laughs) she is gonna pull this off right and that's what i love romance and so why do you think romance endures? Like what yeah like what makes it just stay in the as a popular genre I think romance endures, um, I think there's two parts to it. I think one part is 
we all love love <laughs> right and want happiness and we want people to be happy we want it in our tv shows we want it in all of our media that's why these tv shows and movies you know rom-coms they keep coming back because this is what we want for everybody we like that's yeah. that's utopia we want everyone to be happy um and i think on the business end I think romance in particular is very, very good at changing and morphing into um, modern day realities. Like not every genre can do it so successfully, but I think romance does it better than almost anyone. I would, you know, I would say maybe make a case. You can make a case for mystery as yeah, well. that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, but romance—they're just very savvy about right. not staying in the past, honoring the past, but not staying there as and being stuck. Like you, you can go back and read those novels from the '60s and '70s, and you know enjoy them or not, and that's great, but. They have moved beyond that in almost all the ways in their books. And I think that's what makes them so successful. Right. It's like a kind of a comforting aspect when something is not really trying so hard to, to tell a story or do something where it's like, this is just what it is. And you right. it's telling the truth. And they've yeah. done a great job of incorporating subgenres. It, it was funny. I was having this conversation with my sister and I was telling her that she needed to read more romance. This was a few years back. And she's like, yeah, you know, I just, I'm not always in the mood for a light read. And I'm like, well, see, I know the TV shows and the movies that you watch. And so if you want something that's full of adventure, they've got that. If yeah. you want something that mirrors your Michael Connelly books that you love, they've got that. If, you know, yeah. there's there's all the things. If you want to read um, a Christian fiction book, they've got that. Like, they've got all the things. Yeah. And so I mean, she discovered. Go good. You know, that there's a whole lot more to it than just doctors and nurses, which is what she was thinking of it as. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's an important point to make. Um, I know, you know, I've talked to librarians before about this, but it's just because you don't, like, you get a kind of a preconceived notion. Yeah. So they're, like, really talking about matching people up, like you said, with books and movies and TV shows that kind of run parallel in a way and yes. finding a topic that maybe they can jump into is do you do that a lot with like readers advisory we do we do like one of the questions we ask is what books have you enjoyed in the past and what movies and tv shows do you enjoy um and we find out that a lot of people don't think about their taste so much so for for example using myself as an example, there's certain things that I can read that I can't listen to mm-hmm. just because the violence on the page is a lot different than the violence in an audiobook, which yeah. is really weird 
but that's just how my brain processes. Like the violence in an audiobook will make me wince. And yeah. and like, no, I don't want to hear it. And in a book, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. And on TV, like, I don't want to see people get shot anymore. <laughs> I used to love like mob movies and all, I don't yeah. war movies. I don't want to see people get shot anymore. Right. But I can read about it all day. So I think a lot of people think that either they like a thing or they don't like a thing. And they don't know that they even have this nuance until they sit and think about it. They're like, yeah, no, I can read romance, but I don't want to see it. Or I can watch romance, but I don't want to listen to it. Like, so trying to figure out that helps a lot of people rethink books that they think maybe they wouldn't like. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. It is. It's fascinating. Same with yeah. science fiction. They'll, you know, watch Star Wars and Star Trek all day, won't pick up a book. Yeah. And you're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's really, I've never really thought of it like that. What, like things that I, like I would never say like, oh, I love, I, I read sci-fi all the time, but like I watch it a lot, you know? See? I exactly. It's really interesting to think like maybe I should pick up a couple, you know, like more often exactly. if I it's, like this one thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, okay, so is, are there any like subgenres of romance that you're like wanting to explore more? You think maybe people are going to move towards? Uh, science fiction romance, yeah. actually. That's a thing that I, I, people always ask me, what's, what's trending? Like, what's the big trend? And of course, the big trend right now is rom-coms. But right. I really think science fiction romance is is the next big trend. We yeah. just need more of it. Yeah. And you know, a lot of it is is indie press and people are missing it. Right. So then you you're starting to get some uh trad pub like the Polaris Rising, right. Aurora Blazing. Yeah, that's um, a good example. And then people are going to start saying, you know what? I really like this. Is there more like it? Yeah. And then I think you'll start to see more indie come forward and more trad pub picking it up. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm curious. And even if this doesn't make the podcast, I'm just curious in general because – when I do presentations, especially like romance centric only about romance, I tend to find myself saying like it's a great diverse romance or excuse me, or the author is really passionate about telling diverse stories. And so and I've pointed out that I think I feel like I want to say that because, you know, it's kind of like showing my receipts like we've said that this is what we want and we're getting it. Um, but I just wondered, like, personally, what do you think as a big romance reader like should we let the story stand on its own or or just or really point it out I don't think those two things are are mutually exclusive I think the story is the story no matter who wrote it so the story has to stand on its own yes regardless but I think it's especially right now where the numbers aren't reflective of diversity at all you have to point it out 
because it's like a needle in a haystack sometimes trying to find things like try to find diverse small town romance yeah I can think of maybe two (laughs) we do have to point it out or you know um female female lesbian romance so you have to point it out because it's not front and center yeah so i i would not feel bad about pointing it out at all i think people want to know and that's really the only way they're going to know because it's it's there are far fewer of them than of overrepresented people right and i think yeah of course like the story like i'm talking about it, i'm excited about it like the story has to be its own thing but just as like a supplemental thing to say i you know i'm always here to listen and try to understand where people are coming from and i just you know I, i'm trying to listen so thank you for talking that out that's interesting absolutely and you know when you're when you're i maybe the thing the next step is instead of saying it's diverse tell us how right how is it diverse so that we know you know adriana herrera who's one of my most favorite people and authors um very specific very specific countries um immigrants so it's not just an immigrant story because that could be someone from italy no it's someone (laughs) from the dr and someone from Haiti and Puerto Rico. Like, it's very specific, which is important. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so uh, far as far as, like, RA or anything, is there any, like, resource that you would give maybe, like, young librarians looking to learn more about this stuff? Do you have any, like, go-to materials? I mean, you've written so much, I'm looking at a few things now. But... Um, anything that you're like, yes, quintessential, like a great resource. Um, usually I send people, um, if they're interested in doing romance readers advisory, I, I tell them I, there's some, um, articles online and I can't think of them. I usually Google them every time. That's fine. We Um, can put them up on our blog. So if you want to, to think of something. I will do that. There's not, um, I usually send them to like smart bitches, trashy books. <laughs> I love that. So that they can get a feel for what's happening right now in the genre. What are people talking about? Um, I'm forever sad that um, Heroes and Heartbreakers is gone because they also did a very similar thing where you could see, you know, what people are currently talking about. And they also did articles on, you know, perennially popular authors so that they could get a feel for those as well. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, theoretically, in the middle (laughs) of writing a book for (gasps) ALA editions about Romance Readers Advisory. That's so amazing. So hopefully cross your fingers (laughs) that will get written and published and there will be something. The last time that, uh, this book was published was 2000. Okay. And the, 
the the world of romance has changed dramatically. <laughs> time is up for that. We need a right. new one. Yes, that was wonderful. Um, I'm all, we're we're always trying to to connect librarians to information, obviously. But thank you. Um, I'll no. link to all of those things. Um, okay, well, I think that's about our time. I feel like I could stay here forever, though, because you have such <laughs> great things to say. Um, but I really appreciate this. It's so cool to hear from you. It was completely my pleasure. I love talking about this stuff, and I, too, could stay here all day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a wonderful conversation, and all of the books and all of the things we've talked about, links to everything we, of course, will put up, but we have a new exciting thing that we're doing, and I am excited to announce it here. We have a voicemail box, so you can come leave us messages if you have questions about stuff or if you just want to tell us how much you love us. I mean, I'm not going to reject that. So we're going to put that up on the blog to use that phone number. And Robin has so graciously said that she will answer a few questions. If you submit them, we'll pick a few. She will answer them. And then maybe on the next episode, we'll, we'll read and we'll read the responses. So please go check that out. That's it for us this week. Thank you, Robin, so much. Thank you. And now, a little break for some listener mail. Hi, Library Love Fest. This is Jennifer Winberry, the Assistant Library Director of the Huntington County Library in New Jersey and Faithful Galley Chatter. I am so excited about In the Land of Men, an amazing, smartly written memoir. Adrian Miller is astute and also passionate about literature, the literary world, and often David Foster Wallace. Her story of breaking into the good old boys club and not only surviving, but thriving is so relevant today. And isn't that cover gorgeous? Enjoy. Oh, she's great. That is such a great review. She's so wonderful. She can just wrap up a book in two seconds flat and hit all the right points. She's the best. She's also so genuine when she tells us Mm -hmm. anything about any book. I'm like, I I just so believe it. Like, she she doesn't put on anything. She tells you what she thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. That was great. Thank you for calling the voicemail and leaving us a voicemail. We love hearing from you guys. If you're listening to this and you're wondering how you can leave a voicemail, you can call us at 212-207-7773, and you might just hear it on the podcast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.